Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. God of glory, we pray you would fill your church with the power that flows from Christ's resurrection so that in the midst of the sinful world, it may signal the beginning of a renewed humanity, risen to new life with Christ, and joined with the host of heaven who worship you, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our first hymn is number 286, Worship Christ the Risen King. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sin with a sincere and true heart. Let us pray together. God of heaven and earth, who has sent your beloved Son into the world to redeem sinners, we confess that we are such sinners. We have not loved our neighbor as we ought 
We have spurned your ways, delighting in ourselves more than you. We have violated your commands and have chosen death rather than life. Yet you have remembered us with loving kindness even after we fell under your judgment. As you have raised your blessed and holy Son, Jesus Christ, from death to life, so now pardon us of our sin and raise us from death to life. For the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. People of God, hear the good news. Jesus Christ is the one ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus Christ is the one. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Brothers and sisters, in Christ I declare to you that all those who have faith in him and do repent of their sin are truly forgiven of all their sin. This is the good news of the gospel we say together. Praise be to God. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ you have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred into Christ's holy kingdom. You have been given a new heart and a new spirit. Therefore, in the words of the apostle, I exhort you to turn away from all that belongs to the old life of sin and walk instead in righteousness and holiness. Shun fornication and impurity, licentiousness, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, and selfishness, and instead manifest by God's grace love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ, and let us say, Amen. Our hymn is number 278, That Easter Day with Joy Was Bright.
On this wonderful day of Christ celebrating Christ's resurrection, let us remember the uh, realities in this world that must come under his dominion and power. Let us pray for those in need. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, who has given us new life in Jesus Christ, we thank you for joining us with him who is the life of the world, putting to death the old flesh and making us your new people in whom the new life of the crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ fills us with life and makes us your beloved and holy people. We bless you, O Father, that we have been released from the powers of this world and that they are truly all subject to you, even if they don't know it. And we thank you that they're subject to the authority and power of Christ. You have defeated sin, death, and the devil. You've triumphed over them in Jesus Christ. And in amazed thanksgiving, we now pray to you. Almighty God, hear our cries to stop the violence and madness of those powers in this world that wreck and maim and kill. They violently, vainly follow a teaching that belongs to an age that has been overcome by Christ and will pass away. We also pray for those who are tyrannized in Ukraine, in Mexico, Syria, China, North Korea, Myanmar, and for those who are intimidated by violent people in our own cities. May the church bear witness to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. Hear our prayers for the nations of this world. Merciful God, bless those who work in community health, doctors, nurses, investigators, pharmacists, government officials, Bless them as they care for the sick, and as they work to protect us. Hear our prayers for them. Loving Father, for the church we pray, your new people created in Jesus Christ. May your people be formed around Christ in every way, including their worship, their lives, their habits, their work, everything. Let them not submit to teaching and regulations that have been defeated by Christ. Keep them from falling into temptation and evil. Hear our prayers for the church and for specific Christians we know struggling. We pray for the churches in Russia and Ukraine and the work of our missionary hero Hakobor in Ukraine with his family. Bless the preaching of your word. We pray you convert the unconverted to Christ. Hear also our prayers for the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and its church in Beansville, Ontario, with their pastor Doug Bilsma, and for City Church in Grand Rapids and their pastor Tony Miles, and Living Hope Mission Work in Grand Rapids with the minister there, John Terrell. Help these churches to grow, and may the sessions overseeing them be able to care for the members there. Build them up, Lord, in faith, in love, in unity and the strength of Christ. Hear our prayers. Our Father, for this congregation, we do pray, rejoicing in your great salvation in Jesus Christ and his mighty work for us. We pray for your provision and aid for our needs, for all those who are sick or ailing, who face hardship, and for their families who care for them. We pray for Eduardo and Shirley, for Leah and Julie, Luca, 
for Fawn and Bob, for Jeff and Linda, and for our friends Becky, Angie, Karen, Tammy's family, Bob, Chris, Tom, Phil, Dominique, Caroline, and Gladys, as well as others we name to you in silence. Be present in mercy with these your servants, so that strength and health and comfort of soul and trust in Christ may be kept firm in their weakness or restored if it has, if it has um, weakened. And so may they bless your holy name, and may you always hold on to them through Christ. For those who are distraught and full of anxiety, give them grace, remind them of your providence, relieve them by your spirit who assures us of our communion with Christ and the promises kept for us in him. And help us to become acquainted with our neighbors and be a good testimony to the good news of Jesus Christ, who has been raised from the dead. Our concerns and desires ascend to you through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us present our gifts and offerings to the Lord.
Please be seated. And as we enter God's word today, please pray for his uh, illumination with me. Lord, our God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning to celebrate uh, the resurrection. We thank you that this is not uh, just a story in some great movie we saw once or some book we read once, that this is not some sort of universe uh, of the imagination, but that this really happened, uh, that you are real, you are not um, some opinion or political cause, and um, we ask that you would lay on our hearts this morning that um, this is uh, this is something that really happened in our world uh, with real people who witnessed it, and we pray that as we uh, join together in this word of truth, that you would open our hearts and minds to that, and that you would, um, by your Spirit, give us faith. Uh, to believe, and um, ears to hear, and a mind to understand. Uh, we thank you for this time, and um, please bless our reading of the word. In Christ's name, amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10. Verses 34 through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Our Psalter response this morning comes from Psalm 118. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song, he has become my salvation. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of the Lord. 
The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Our epistle reading this morning comes from Revelation chapter 20. Verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Finally, our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The word of the Lord. This is a sermon that takes a very wide view of Jesus' resurrection, and it starts with our lesson from Matthew's Gospel. The Gospel of Matthew tells us the resurrection of Jesus 
Jesus shakes this world to its core. Matthew says that on the day of Jesus' resurrection, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the entrance to Jesus' tomb and set on it. It's in verse 2. The crucified Jesus Christ, dead and buried, was raised from the dead, and this mighty act of God sent shockwaves out across this world. There, is, there are earthquake waves that undulate and heave everything up and down like the waves on an ocean rocking a boat. But earthquakes also produce a wave that pushes outward like a fist and slams into whatever is in its path. And Jesus' resurrection is more like the fist than the undulation. The New Testament picks up on the shock waves of Jesus' resurrection, and it traces them out, or the the epistles trace them out for the church. The resurrection sends out the shock wave of Jesus' vindication. That's one of them. The epistle to the Romans starts with this very declaration. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of the dead was God's declaration of who Jesus is. One of the charges against Jesus was that he claimed to be the Son of God. That was one of the charges in his inquest and his trial. Jesus crucified on the cross was displayed as a criminal and under the power of Rome. But God raised him up from the dead and turned it all upside down. Jesus' resurrection was God's colossal yes to the world. For all to hear, God said, yes, this is, Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. The shock of Jesus' resurrection goes out in the direction of new life. Not a starting over kind of life, like people like to say today is the first day of the rest of your life. Not that kind of life, but the new life that comes from being raised out of the death of sin. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, says the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, but now God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Those who are joined with Christ by faith are raised out of the tomb of sin, the power of the devil, the domination of corrupt passions. Now we are raised into new life with God where we are his beloved children and his favor is upon us forever and ever. In the new life of Christ, God holds on to us so that nothing can snatch us out of his hand. Instead of growing more and more into the grotesqueness and deformity of sin that, grow, that ends up in the corruption of death, In the new resurrected life of Jesus Christ, we mature more and more in his holiness and righteousness. The apostle says, writes to the Romans, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions, but present yourself, you yourselves, to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Later, Paul says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is the shock of the resurrection of Jesus Christ cracking open the death of sin. Another direction, the shock waves go out in all kinds of directions, in every direction. And another direction Jesus' resurrection goes is breaking through the chasm between us and God. And the epistles refer to that. The second letter to the Corinthians says, He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, reconciles us to God in a blessed communion with him that lasts forever. 
The shockwave of Jesus' resurrection also slams into the powers of this world. The epistles, like Ephesians, talk about the victory of Jesus Christ over the unseen powers. Ephesians says, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a victory over sin, death, and the devil, as well as over all the visible powers in this world, like the governments and rulers who tyrannize the people under them and assault other nations, or the cartels and terrorists who hurt and kill people in order to exert control over them. The resurrection reveals that the power of God in Jesus is greater than any other power in this world, even the most intractable ones. Our Easter hymns sing of Christ's victory, such as these. These are some lines from some of our hymns. Rise, O church, and lift your voices. Christ has conquered death and hell. And from death to life eternal, from this world to the sky, our Christ hath brought us over with hymns of victory. And thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory thou or death hast won. The shockwave of Jesus' resurrection goes out in every direction. It shakes the whole cosmos. There is another dimension to Jesus' resurrection, and that is justice. It's a loud word today. People demand justice, and they're quick to tell you if they think they, there's been some kind of injustice done to them. Justice for the oppressed of all kinds, minorities, women's, the women, the poor, various self-declared gender identities, and so on and so on. All these groups use that word justice. And it's not only justice for people. When my son graduated from college at the University of Kansas, the commencement speech was about justice for the earth that has been scarred by our consumer culture and industry. They, the the, the uh, speaker specifically mentioned mines, and I grew up in Colorado. I loved going into mines. I loved digging through the tailings and finding the crystals and some neat rocks in there. And Mines, for me, were, were these places of mystery and intrigue and great history, but this guy shut that all down and <laughs> said, no, that's, that, there needs to be justice for that. And then uh, animal rights groups want justice for dogs and cats that are sold in pet stores or mistreated, and those are just some of the groups. In the church, when the word justice comes up, it's often in reference to obedience to God's law and his righteousness being satisfied. This becomes a discussion about the death of Jesus Christ and how God resolves our violation of his justice in order to forgive our sin and make us right with him. And it goes something like this. This is pretty standard um, orthodox theology on on. Uh, on how God's justice is, is satisfied with Christ. God is a holy and righteous God. Our sin is an injustice done to him. In his mercy and grace, God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to make us right with him. Jesus enters into our place and takes up our sin. He perfectly obeys his heavenly father and goes to the cross in order to bear the punishment for our sin. And there's this great exchange whereby through faith in him, his righteousness is imputed to us, and our sin is imputed to him, and in this way we are reconciled to God and his justice is satisfied. In this justice, Jesus' death on the cross is central. That seems to be the focus when we talk about that justice. But we can't stop there with the cross. The resurrection of Jesus is also central to God's justice for this world. Now you know as well as I do that human history is a long story of many things but throughout history, there's been much injustice. 
Some years ago, I read the novel The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky, and there's a a famous scene in it where one of the brothers, Ivan, tells the story of the Grand Inquisitor who comes to examine Jesus for horrible atrocities that had been committed. The Inquisitor breaks into a litany of appalling actions done to innocent people. And it was so disturbing that I could hardly read it, and tears came to my eyes. These acts were so vicious that I'm not even going to speak of them in this sermon. I learned later that Dostoevsky pulled these atrocities from the newspaper, that they had actually happened. He didn't make them up. Dostoevsky himself ran in the circles of the writers and thinkers in Russia, the intelligentsia, they are called. And the Tsar, who's the ruler of Russia, feared these groups and arrested many of their members, including Dostoevsky. It was unjust, but they were sent to prison and they were given a death sentence. The day came when Dostoevsky and his fellow prisoners were to be executed, and they were marched into Semenyov Place in St. Petersburg, and each person was tied to a post standing up. A firing squad stood before them. The sergeant raised his sword, the soldiers raised their rifles, and just before their order, the order was given to fire their weapons, the czar rescinded his order of death. You see, he played with them. He toyed with them. Some of Dostoevsky's fellow prisoners went insane from this psychological torment. The condemned were untied. They were sent to gulags in Siberia for a number of years. Dostoevsky is one of those. Later, he, was, he got his freedom. But it remains a cloud over Dostoevsky the rest of his life. Injustice continues to pile up in our world. Josephine Bajita was born in Darfur, Sudan in 1869. At the age of nine, she was kidnapped by slave traders, beaten until she bled, and sold five times in the slave markets in Sudan. Eventually, she found herself working as a slave for the mother and the wife of a general, and there she was flogged every day till she bled. As a result of this, she bore 144 scars throughout her life. Finally, in 1882, she was bought by an Italian merchant, and he took her back to Italy. This man was a Christian, and he told her about a different kind of master who was above all masters, Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of Lords, and that he is goodness in person. She became a Christian, and she ended up joining a religious order. Her story ended well, but that doesn't excuse the injustice that was done to her when she was young. A continuous stream of injustice comes from human trafficking. 60,000 people, mostly women, are trafficked in this country every year. One of these is Sabine. She was the only surviving member of her family in the wake of the Rwandan genocide. Sabine was more than happy to accept an offer working for a wealthy American family. Upon her arrival in the U.S., the family held the girl captive and made her perform forced labor for the household. According to the Polaris Project, Sabine had neither a room nor a bed. She had to sleep on the floor. It took six months before Sabine was allowed one hour off each Sunday to attend worship services. While there, during these worship services, one of her fellow parishioners caught wind of her situation and helped her escape. And at first, Sabine's ordeal left her traumatized. She was afraid to leave her new apartment or venture in the city alone. But with the help of a devoted case manager, Sabine is reportedly now able to travel on her own and is learning English as she slowly works to rebuild her life. 
In our major cities, people are shot and many are killed every day. In Chicago, 15,000 people were shot in the last four years. And well over 1,000 were killed. One of those was Darian Williams, who was a sophomore at Crane Medical Prep High School. One night, he was standing on a sidewalk when someone wearing dark clothing approached him and opened fire. He was taken to Stroger Hospital, where he died. Sadly, the variety of injustice in this world is immense. And I'll tell you one more story that I heard firsthand. During the summers, while I was in college, I worked in the office of an agricultural chemical supply store in Greeley, Colorado. We sold bulk pesticides and herbicides to grain elevators, retail stores, farmers, and crop dusters. Some of those chemicals were dangerous and required an EPA license to handle. I worked in the front. I didn't want to go back (laughs) to the storehouse, warehouse. One day I overheard a pilot for one of the crop duster companies bragging about how he'd just flown over a field of migrant workers and sprayed the chemicals on them. Where I grew up, the migrant workers were men, women, and sometimes children from Mexico who came up in the growing season to make money on the farms. They would make money, and then at the end of the, after the harvest, they'd go back, uh, back over the border. It was a very different border back in those days. Now, I don't know what the pilots sprayed on them, but without a doubt, direct contact with it was unhealthy for humans. What he did was inhuman and unjust. Jesus was unjustly accused and executed. He did not deserve to die. He did nothing wrong. The accusations against him were false. God did send Jesus to deliver us from sin and make us righteous. God is able to work out his purpose, even with the injustice that was done to Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Jesus died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Who's the just? Jesus. Who's the unjust? Us. But God's purpose does not excuse the injustice that humanity did to Jesus. Great violence was perpetrated against Jesus. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was tortured, he was killed. It was a terrible act of injustice. In terms of the history of this world, Jesus stands with all those who have suffered injustice. The shockwave of Jesus' resurrection also slams into the injustice of this world. Right now, people in our society cry out for justice. Many in our society are pushing for justice, at least what they believe is justice. People engage in protests, march, they advocate advocate for new laws, they expose acts of injustice, they boycott businesses in order to try and force justice in our society. And some of it is good and right, and some of it is unjust in itself. It's rather ironic that that injustice could be used to try to make our society more just. That's a great irony, I think. The demands for justice today want to change things for those who are alive and for future generations. The energy for the fight for justice might come from injustice done in the past, but what it achieves is for the present and maybe for the future. For example, there's much talk about reparations for the ancestors of slaves. And whether this is fair or not is another matter. I'm not trying to get into that. But if there are reparations, they may redress some of the injustice of slavery and discrimination in this country. However, reparations will not bring justice to all those people who suffered injustice and are dead. Society today has no way of bringing justice into the past 
it has no way to make right the injustices that happened to the people who were dead and buried. I'm glad that the life of Josephine Bakhita improved after she was taken to Italy, but what happened to her when she was young was unjust. How can we make things right for her who lived in the 19th century? How can we give her justice? We can't. She's dead. It's the same for Fyodor Dostoevsky and the Jews who died in the Nazi prison camps, the people who were enslaved in the United States, the 43 students who were kidnapped and murdered in southwest Mexico in 2014, and all the rest in the history of the world. The best we seem to be able to do when there is injustice is to say, never again. And then we work to change the structures of society that produced it. But what about justice for all the past injustice in this world? How does that injustice receive justice? And for quite some time, I have pondered and brooded over this question. And then I realized that the answer was right in front of me as a Christian. It's right in front of me all along. God gives justice for the whole world by means of Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. The earthquake of Jesus' resurrection goes out even into the past. Our reading from the Revelation of John is a picture of the final judgment. The Apostle John testifies, uh, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter testifies in our reading from the book of Acts that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. That's in our Acts 10 reading. All people, all of humanity will be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. The scene in Revelation is the judgment of the dead. The Apostle John sees all of the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books are opened. It's a day of reckoning. The books indicate that the Lord has kept track of everyone's deeds. And then John says, And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, by what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead in them. And all were judged by what they had done. This is a picture of justice for the dead. But how did the dead come to stand before the throne of God? Well, they were raised up. Jesus was raised from the dead, and his resurrection allows for all the dead to be raised up for God's justice. That's how God addresses the injustice that has happened in the past. We forget the injustices. I mentioned a couple. There are so many that we, don't, we don't, can't even name them, and we've forgotten most of them. We forget, but God does not. And this is true for you as well. If you have had injustice done to you, even if you carry it to the grave and everyone else forgets about it, God will raise you up and address it. God will deliver justice for Fyodor Dostoevsky, Josephine Bakhita, and everyone else who has suffered injustice. The Christian faith is not only about justice for those who are alive and for those who will live in the future. It's also about justice for those who live in the past. Scripture shows us that God's justice has different elements. God's justice holds people accountable for what they have done. Every deed, as we see in Revelation, this is a requited justice. It's a repayment for what has been done. Jesus says in Matthew 16, For the Son of Man is to come with the angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every person for what he's done. 
The Lord repays injustice with his justice. Secondly, God's justice, justice punishes injustice. We don't like to think much about that, but Scripture does testify to it. The final judgment scene in Revelation pictures this punishment as being thrown into the lake of fire. God does not excuse any injustice. He is a just and righteous God. Scripture uses vivid imagery for God's punishment. It calls those who commit injustice evildoers. And in his explanation of the parable of the weeds and the wheat in Matthew 13, Jesus says, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evildoers and throw them into the furnace of fire. Their men will weep and gnash their teeth. Now, if Scripture only says that God's justice will hold people accountable, it will repay injustice and punish it, then the effects of injustice in this world would be unresolved. The cause of the injustice or the holding people accountable part of injustice would be addressed, but not the effects, not the consequences. Sabine would still be marred by the consequences of the injustice of human trafficking. Dostoevsky's friends would remain broken by the czar's unjust imprisonment and psychological torture of them. However, scripture also talks about God's justice as rectification. Rectification means setting things right. Injustice is held accountable, it's punished, and it's rectified. God heals and makes whole those who have suffered injustice, including those who have died. And again, this is through Jesus Christ. The resurrected Jesus takes those who have suffered injustice and removes the pain, the brokenness, and the offense, and he refashions them. A powerful picture of the Lord's justice of rectification is in the next picture in Revelation after our lesson this morning. It's in Revelation 21, and I'm going to read the first part of it to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. With injustice there is mourning, there is pain, and many times there is death. This is a picture of God's justice of rectification setting things right. God's justice is carried out by Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead. He holds us accountable and he punishes injustice. The trouble is we've all committed injustices against other people. Christ is our judge and he enacts God's justice, but he's also our savior. And through faith in him, he takes the punishment for the injustices we have committed and he rectifies them for us, but it's through faith in him. Jesus Christ makes all those who entrust in him new and whole. The shockwave of Jesus' resurrection slams into the injustice of this world, into the injustice of those who have died, and into the injustice in your life. Trust him for justice and that he will set right the injustice in this world. The justice the resurrected Jesus gives us 
also frees us as Christians to talk about the injustices that have happened today and the injustices that have happened in the past. We don't have to uh, bury them or hide from them because we don't know what to do with them. We can talk about them because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can tell the stories of injustice that have happened. We can write about them. We can call them out as wrong. We can remember them. We can do all of this because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and he will raise everyone, including the dead, and render justice complete and true. Let us pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and gives justice to this world, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving spirit and be rectified. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please stand. Let us confess our faith with the creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. Third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn is number 277, Christ the Lord is Risen Today.
who said, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. On the day of his resurrection, Jesus himself stood among his disciples, but they were startled and frightened and supposed that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do questionings arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see that I have. And while they still disbelieved for joy and wondered, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. According to the Gospel of Luke, when our risen Lord is at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. We receive Christ as he makes himself known in Scripture, sermon, and sacrament. Having again heard the voice of Christ in Scripture and sermon, let us now come to his table and receive his gifts. All who have been baptized, who profess faith in Christ, and are communicant members of a Christian church are welcome to come and share in this joyful feast of our Lord. Join with me now in giving thanks to God for our new life and our salvation in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give them thanks and praise. It is indeed good and right, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Almighty and Eternal Father. For you alone have created us, and you have given us all manner of good things in this life. But especially, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross for us. In the joy of Easter, we celebrate the sacrifice of Christ in his resurrection and praise you with the host of heaven forever saying holy 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 lord god in power and might heaven and earth are full of your glory hosanna in the highest and now we remember we give our thanks remembering and participating in that mighty work of jesus christ we remember that he who dwelt with you became a man and joined us in the flesh 
We remember that he was obedient even as he was delivered up to die. And we remember that you have glorified him. He was despised and rejected by man, but you raised him up. So we glorify him and exalt him, who is the author of life, the victor of our salvation. We say with your church, praise to you, Lord Jesus. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory. We thank you that Jesus lives and comes to be present with us. Come, O Holy Spirit, now and make this meal most holy. Take up the bread and the cup so that we are nourished and fed by Christ. Give us faith in him. And in this way, may the new life of the risen Lord be our life, both now and forever. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, Heavenly Father, forever and ever. And with one voice, we offer our thanksgiving and say, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me.
Jesus says, the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. Take and eat this bread and drink this cup, and remember Christ's body and blood given for you. Receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Take and eat and drink. Let us pray. Lord God, our Father, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, you have assured your children of eternal life and in baptism have made us one with him. Deliver us from the death of sin. Raise us to new life in your grace, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and by the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. The final hymn is number 274, Thine Be the Glory.
God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good way to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you all now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. There will be um, no Christian education classes today. They will resume next week, where in the uh, adult class, Gentle and Lowly, we will finish Chapter 5 and and hopefully complete Chapter 6. Next, this week, through our next Lord's Day, uh, Pastor Jeff will be on vacation, and so uh, Reverend Steve Gonzalez will join us. He's been uh, in our pulpit a number of times. He's kind of a, he's a friend of, of Providence. Looking forward to that. And um, I guess I'll, the only thing else I have is a public service announcement indicating that there are hot cross buns in the kitchen. It's public service because I'm allowing you to get there before I do. <laughs> so one of my favorite treats. There's a nursery rhyme that goes along with that name, which I will render in private sessions. <laughs> I know Steve would ask for that. So anyway, um, that's all I have. <laughs>